Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, I'm going to read this to you guys on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. So unfortunately, because of the kind of holiday weekend, I actually do have a limited amount of time to record this bonus episode, but I still do appreciate you for subscribing, even though it's not much. I know it's just a dollar a month, which is just like, you know, it's a whatever to a lot of people. It still means a lot. It still does mean a lot. Because it does mean that you're willing to go ahead and, and subscribe to help support this podcast. And at the very least, I should reward you with, unfortunately, a large amount of uh, stories that ended up on the chopping block this week. For example, Steam games can now be played on the Xbox thanks to GeForce Now. Thanks to GeForce Now now being allowed to be played on the Xbox, Steam and the whole thing is just kind of becoming very, very interesting. The whole pitch originally was in fact to be able to play games on hardware that normally can't. This, of course, as I've argued, has been the whole goal of it in my humble opinion was to go ahead and make these very underpowered chips that we find in smartphones and whatnot useful. Because although the ARM processors inside, say, your Android smartphone or your iPhone or even your thin and light laptop aren't all that impressive, they're not going to be able to game nearly as well as your desktop or a gaming laptop they're still able to handle the decoding and the running of these sort of cloud clients. That was the original way it's being pitched. You know what's being pitched as now? First off, it's being pitched as, ha ha ha, you don't have access to a GPU because GPUs are a myth in this post-apocalyptic wasteland that we live in now, known as 2020.5. But it's also now being pitched as a workaround on the limitation of locked down platforms such as the Xbox. Now to me, this sort of capability means literally nothing. It, it doesn't mean anything. Just cause when push comes to shove, I'm gonna, I would much rather just carry on a big bulky laptop than say getting an Xbox the only time literally the only time I plug in a game console is because there is a game that can only be played on that game console like Animal Crossing or in fact actually right now I still have my Super Nintendo on my desk right now because we were capturing Chrono Trigger for a stream at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon recently the best gaming experience you're going to have for Chrono Trigger is on its original platform, the Super Nintendo. Final Fantasy VIII, I play that on the, on the PS2 because that was its original platform. There's plenty of other games that, well, they are best experienced on their consoles, and that's the only time I'd play them. But you know, nowadays with the PS5 just basically being a PC, an AMD-powered PC, both GPU and CPU, there really isn't much of a compelling reason 
to play a game on the console versus the actual PC unless the game is only available on the console. The Xbox, kind of bafflingly to me, continues this push of making its own existence less and less compelling. It's kind of bizarre. What can you do on an Xbox that you can't do on a PC? Well, now the big push is the fact that you're, uh, you can play your, your PC games on your Xbox. We could already do that. It's, it's weird. Because in the end, a PC is just an Xbox, except that's not locked down. There is nothing the Xbox can do that a PC can't, other than have a GPU. That is pretty much the only exception to that rule right now, because the world is absolutely insane. So this new, this new system is strange, almost as strange as Samsung to offer its own cloud gaming service on its brand new Tizen TVs. So first off, I didn't even know Samsung had its own cloud gaming service, but I mean, are, are we really surprised? Everyone's trying to make their own cloud gaming service. Heck, I didn't even know Nintendo had their own, and theirs actually makes the most sense seeing as how their highest end console right now is radically behind the rest. But it has other advantages. What is the advantage to a Samsung TV though? Well, I get ads on a Samsung TV that are generated from Samsung in its menus. Um, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, TVs right now is a weird spot because they're trying to go ahead and add all these features. They're basically trying to turn a TV into an all-in-one computer, except it runs its own closed operating system. That's basically it. That's the only difference between a smart TV and a PC. So to go ahead and add your own cloud gaming platform, what's it gonna have? I don't know. What's the advantage between that and GeForce Now? I don't know. What's the controller? I don't know. But it's gonna be on TVs, I guess. On their only their own TVs that uh, there's less and less reason to buy. I actually am curious if we're gonna start seeing a push towards dumber and dumber TVs and then adding something like a Chromecast or some other kind of low-powered dongle to the back of it so that we stop worrying about the integrated OSs, the weird sort of lockdowns. Because I'll tell you right now, I've noticed, and I don't know how big the push actually is, but I've noticed a push of people shoving back 
at Samsung for having ads in their own menu system to operate the TV. Because it is just absolutely WTF. There's just no reason for it. But hey, you can get Samsung Cloud Gaming. Great, thanks. I hate it. Xbox October update adds 4K, dashboard, night mode, and more to the Xbox Series series consoles. Of course, the, the, the 4K version is only on the Xbox Series X, seeing as how that's the only 4K version of the console. And, um, you know, great set of updates. Great to know that these consoles are getting more things to play with. But once again, I kind of have to go back to what is the real reason? What is the real compelling reason to go ahead and get this console? I guess, again, it just comes down to the cost. Oh, wait. No, it can't because... I forgot. I live in a post-apocalyptic wasteland where uh, game consoles are a myth, get, uh, GPUs are a myth, and uh, even worse, there's massive supply issues with literally everything right now. Ugh. It's just madness. Complete and utter madness. By the way, uh, Seagate now offers a two terabyte expansion card for your Xbox Series series, which um, will be available for $400 arriving in early December. Wow. I'd say that is actual robbery. But remember how earlier I said that everything in regards to <laughs> electronics right now is absolutely bat squeak insane because of the shortages. <laughs> this could also be a circumstance. I, I really don't know if this is the intended MSRP. Like if we lived in a sane market would the Xbox Series X cost $500 and a two terabyte expansion for the Xbox Series X cost $400. Actually, compared to the Xbox Series S, you get that for $300 and your two terabyte expansion for it is $400. That's insane. Or is this the fact that it costs $400 because the SSD chips for it are harder to get? I'm willing to bet the latter, but unfortunately I have no way to prove it. I just want some sanity to return to the market. And unfortunately, if you missed on Eagle Eyes on Tech, uh, Intel is saying that they suspect they will not see any sanity return to the market until 2023 at the earliest. We believe we're at the near the worst of it right now and that things will improve. But it's going to be a slow recovery. 
So the N64 collection went live on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, this is an expansion of its uh, subscription model. So normally you pay a monthly fee. Actually, I think it's yearly. And you get access to the... Oh, here it is. It's normally, normally it's $20 a year to get... NES and Super NES titles, as well as the ability to play online with your Nintendo Switch. However, you can pay and this is not really clear if this is $30 per year on top of the other one or $20 or, uh, or, or $10 additional, making it $30 a year. It's kind of unclear. I haven't had a chance to go and take a look myself, and this article is not very clear from Ars Technica. But let's just pretend it's $50 a year, all right? For $50 a year, you gain access to the N64 titles, which includes Dr. Mario 64, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Mario 64, Mario Tennis. Um, I can't recognize that game. Uh, Star Fox 64, Super Mario 64. Uh, Windback? I think it's the name of that other one. It's hard to tell with these uh, pictures of it. And Yoshi's Story. But what people are saying... Oh, it is $50 per year. Okay. What people are saying is that these additional nine Super or, uh, N64 games... First off, you pretty much need the additional console. because it Or the additional um, controller for the N64. Because the remapping using normal controllers for the N64 is, uh, it doesn't translate well because the N64 controller is not mapped out well at all. However, here is my counter argument. Ignore the N64 stuff for now. The other thing that was actually noted that I just realized I forgot to mention is the quality of the game is actually subpar to what other people have emulated with open source emulators. So the end result is actually bad in addition. So basically these nine N64 games, you might as well just ignore them unless they go ahead and improve the quality. But here's the other thing. And I think this is the bigger, better sell for the updated subscription. And I actually wish they would have done this with, um, that they would go ahead and do this with um, some of their other properties too. Animal Crossing recently announced their last free update and then also announced their first paid DLC update. But they said that you get that paid DLC update for free if you are a member of this new higher tier of Nintendo Online. I think that's the better sell. And I think more other games should do this. I know uh, Splatoon 2 has an Octo expansion and it actually does add a lot of single player content as well as skins for the multiplayer. If that was part of it, 
and I could get the Animal Crossing expansion for the additional uh, $30 a year, I'm in. Because that easily pays for itself. I can justify that. And then on top of that, I know down the road there's going to be more things added. Now, considering the fact that Nintendo is having a hard time doing N64 emulation, I imagine the next step, the GameCube emulation, is not going to be great. However, if, say, Nintendo started adding classic Game Boy titles, classic Game Boy Color titles, classic GBA titles, and put made that part of the subscription, that could be more compelling. But right now, $30 a year, it's not much, but you're not getting much at the same time. The, the value is just not there. Especially since the quality of the N64 emulation they're giving you is bad. So that is my take on the new Nintendo deal going on. Now that being said, in the meantime, Sony has just formed PlayStation PC. Right now, games that have been ported to PC from the and from uh uh Sony normally Sony exclusives but are instead being um what's the word I'm looking for ported I guess that doesn't seem like the right word basically uh, Sony right now has uh some exclusives such as uh Horizon Zero Dawn and God of War have been ported to PC which is the first time these sort of titles have seen the PC in a while they have been ported under the name PlayStation Mobile. PlayStation Mobile is normally just, you know, Sony titles on a mobile game. It's just whatever. Now that it appears that Sony is taking the PC market more seriously, they are now forming a division called PlayStation PC. So theoretically, we should be seeing more of these PlayStation exclusives on PCs. And I, for one, would be 100% on board. What I'm not on board with, however, is the fact that the new update of Photoshop in Adobe now supports NFT verification on marketplaces. Cool. Thanks more support for an art concept that continues to have unknown value people are overpaying for and in addition is a still a ripe place of fraud but it's nft verification so it's fine except again you can still take any art even if it's not your own and make an nft of it literally anyone can do this still there is still literally nothing stopping anyone from doing this. But you know, go ahead. Support your NFTs, support the blockchain and its ever growing expansion of consuming more and more power to accomplish nothing. It'll be great and fantastic. I'm sorry, my patience for cryptocurrency 
and their fanatics is running very, very thin. And I say that as someone who actually does have some cryptocurrency. In fact, actually recently, because uh, the currency of... Again, full disclosure, I'm actually going to go ahead and bring up my account right now. Full disclosure, I went ahead and moved every single bit of cryptocurrency I had into the Shiba Inu uh, cryptocurrency only because I noticed on Twitter a ton of people were hyping it up. And I turned $150 worth of crypto that was split between Bitcoin and Ethereum into $234. It actually was as high as $285, but the price of Shiba Inu, much like every other cryptocurrency, fluctuates erratically. But there, full, full disclosure, where I stand on crypto. I will take advantage of it because I have some money locked into crypto, but otherwise, that is basically it. I do not see it as a future of any type of currency whatsoever because, again, its value can fluctuate so wildly, it's not even funny. You think what's going on right now with inflation is bad? Dude. It happens so often in, a th in cryptocurrency. It's just ludicrous. And it's getting to the point now where people are just literally making whatever they want and selling it as NFTs. We got one that's literally just a pill. They're calling it crypto pills. And they're saying you should totally buy into it because it's a brand new cryptocurrency. It's a pyramid scheme. I have a bunch of this currency I just made now. Buy into it, increase its value so I can sell it and cash out. That's it. That's all these are. That's all NFT is. That's all most cryptocurrencies have been. Fortunately, most cryptocurrencies go nowhere. But in the end, that's all crypto and NFTs is. A giant, massive pyramid scheme. The only difference is that crypto has had such a cult following, the bubble hasn't popped yet. And every time I think it's about to pop, these lunatics continue to just support it more and more and more. Microsoft is planning to build an 11.6 inch low, co low cost laptop designed for the K through 12 education markets. I wanna see it. I actually do wanna see this. I wanna see the cost. I wanna see the end result. Because I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, I am all on board for low-cost computing if it's good. I am always on the hunt for a low-cost laptop to recommend to, say, my cousins or my little nephews or whoever. You're not a power user. You don't need a freaking, you know, hexacore laptop that can do that can run OBS and your game at the same, same time and all that jazz. I get that. And I, for one, would rather have people go and get a low-cost 
laptop like this using an actual full-fledged operating system than say an iPad in which you're limited by the fact it's an iPad or a Chromebook in, in which case you are limited strongly by the fact it's a Chromebook. But you know, if this low cost laptop is 500 bucks, you're not beating a $200 Chromebook and the Chromebook will still win. If you're gonna go ahead and sell a Windows powered education machine that's actually gonna have a full-fledged laptop where someone can learn how to use a full-fledged laptop rather than, you know, learn on a cruddy Chromebook and never know things like file structure. I still can't believe that a, that a comp sci teacher found out that no one knew how to navigate their folder system. Like that still blows me away. And I 100% attribute that to the fact that your iOS devices, your Android devices, and your Chromebooks don't use a file structure basically at all. I mean, they do, but they make it useless to use. Which you can say, it's the future old man using search and whatnot, not caring about at the same time. It is still important to know how a file structure works because you never know when your search system fails. Or, you know, why your search system can't find a certain file. Is it the actual search system? Is there a folder corrupted? Is a drive that it's on missing? Is one of the internal drives, you know, not connected for some reason? Knowing how a file structure works is important among many, many other things. And before I hear it from the Linux crowd, I am totally fine with a low cost Linux laptop out there too. Cause Linux is also a real operating system, except certain distros, you know, the ones I don't cause I've only seen them and they sadden me and I don't know what they're called. Yeah, you can put that on the books, even though even though fewer people listen to this one than the main uh, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am 100% on board for low-cost Linux laptops over a Chromebook. 100%. Heck, if there was a if there was an easy and cost-effective way to go ahead and overwrite the operating system on a Chromebook with with like say Ubuntu or some other form of Linux that's nice and ent entry level for people to use, I'm in. 100%. Meanwhile, in Google land, Google Fi will now encrypt your calls end to end. Neat. Anyway, DJ Ronan has launched a brand new cinema camera, which has a built in gimbal. This is actually a very, very fascinating camera. So a lot of cameras try to keep pushing, you know, your, uh, they keep trying to pu push your resolution and, and whatnot. Like you, you, there's the 8k camera, the, the 12k camera, 12k, by the way, is absurd. 
8K in the cinema world, I understand. And before you go, uh, no one has an 8K cam, no one has 8K screen. I don't even have 4K. Who the heck is 8K? During post-production, if, if you want to digitally zoom in to a shot and frame it perfectly, the more resolution you have, the less quality you lose. So like, let's say I do a 2X zoom on a shot in post because I want, because I decide after the shooting's done, I want a good close-up of the subject. I can zoom in 2X and still have 4K to play with. So no quality is lost. That is where a 4K camera is, it has a huge advantage. That's where a 12K camera has a huge advantage. 12K is still way too high for most people, most studios for that fact. But the, the 4D camera here is a, I want to say a 6K camera? But the important thing is this built-in gimbal, this built-in... Uh, I want to, I can't remember if it's a sonar or a LiDAR that it uses. It's li no, it uses LiDAR uh, autofocusing and it also uses an additional sensor to detect beneath it. So it knows exactly where its position is and can basically like this thing moving around. It looks like a chicken. Like you ever seen a chicken move around and its head stays perfectly in one spot while the rest of its body moves around. That is what this camera looks like. It is freaky. The camera itself, of course, you know, it starts at $7,200 for the 6K version. Oh, hey, there it is. Or 12 or 11.5K for the 8K version. Dude, if you're in the market for something like this, that you're into cin cinematography, and you actually plan on shooting video for profit, for production. Very, very good stuff. There's no other way to phrase it. It looks amazing. And after seeing the Corridor crew on YouTube play with it and actually shoot uh, a very interesting little production on um, lightsaber duels, it's impressive. Shifting gears though, YouTube is demonetizing low quality kids content. Okay, I'll bite. I'll bite. Why were they monetizing kids content in the first place? If uh, there is that whole kerfuffle with uh, YouTube and the um, FTC or FCC? Where they weren't allowed to collect data or advertise to minors in the first place. Yeah, but now um, if you make kids content and it's of low quality TM, um, you just don't get monetized. This seems very bizarre for a number of reasons, and I can't wait to see who makes the cut. The answer should be 
No one. Because collecting data on miners is still illegal. I'm just saying. And finally, the U.S. Copyright Office provides a path to allow for more device repairs. So the FTC is pushing forward with um, the Electronic Frontier Foundation and iFixit to go ahead and create new rules for what constitutes as a repairable object. This, I actually, no, no, not object, but, but a device. So this, I'm actually looking forward to see how this moves forward and what specifically it will contain. Because I have said it time and time and time again, and everyone's just like, <laughs> I'm telling you this right now. What a bill or any sort of rule set says it does and what it actually does are usually two radically different things. I hate to tell you it, but it's true. It's just the facts. We saw the same thing not too long ago with that crazy thing. Oh yeah, what was it called? Oh yeah, net neutrality and how it didn't really cause any form of net neutrality whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we're after being a wait and see sort of mode on that one. And that does it for the spillover episode or uh, topics of Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm going to close off today with uh, one last little thing. So we are now enter entering November. Every year, we go ahead and we start working. Uh, every year in the New Year's, we come up with new bumpers for the podcast. Uh, this year, we had eight. We had civil. We had an eight-bit. Uh, we had a chip tune of Civilization from Final Fantasy XIV. We had the Legacy of the Wizard uh, map theme. We had. Um, I forgot what the actual uh, title of, of the thing is. We had uh, Romelia Scarlet's theme from uh, Scarlet Weather Rhapsody. I can't remember the name. Uh, oh, Sabotide for the Dead Princess. That's what it was. Thank you. Th thank you, Brain. A Devil's Lab remix. The Dark Star from Secret of Mana. The Legacy of the Wi Wizard menu theme. Zozo. A remix of the Zozo theme. And then Trial a Trial Underground remix from Danganronpa. We had those eight bumpers. My goal now is that we're going to be doing 10 bumpers for 2022. I am open to suggestions. I'm going to start hunting around. I'm going to start forming these bumpers together. And in the next, and you guys here as subscribers are going to hear the new bumpers first. So, with that said, we are going to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you again for subscribing. And I do I do encourage you, make sure you have checked out the, the, the main Eagle Eyes on Tech podcast. You know, two, I know two hours is a commitment, but you know, we put a lot of effort into it. And you can also hear the commentary that 
those who are with us live give us. And of course, check out the daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, our sister podcast that there, four minutes every day, single topic in the same kind of format as this, you know, very, very ranty, but still stuck to a, hey, your daily dose of tech news and sanity or my insanity in some cases and twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Take care and hopefully we'll, we'll, you'll be here next time. <laughs>